Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how we all need true friends in our lives. The gospel brings us together with others in ways the world can't. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, hey, good morning and welcome. Glad to see you here today. Um, So Jana shared that it had been one year that we've been in this space, and I was talking to her husband in the back, and he said, it's probably two years ago that we were painting this room. Raise your hand if you were in this room, we painted this thing. You remember that? Like, oh yeah, we're just going to put a coat of paint on and move in, and that was obviously not the plan. We got a fully remodeled space, and we're grateful for it, and just grateful for God's faithfulness to us through all of it. So I want to start out today by doing something. Would you take out your phone, if you have a phone, and open up your Facebook app? I know some of you young people think Facebook is dead, but grab grab Facebook, click on your profile, and it'll say friends under shortcuts. And I want you to tap on friends, top of the page, your friends, and I want you to see what is the number of friends that you have in your Facebook account. If you can find that, If you need some help, grab someone, you know, under 20 or something. Uh, Find the number of friends. How many friends do you have on Facebook? Anybody here have more than 1,000 friends? Anybody here have more than 1,500 friends? Okay, who's got the highest number? What's the max number? There's like a max, isn't there? 5,000. Anyone have 5,000? None of us are that popular, right? But the point is, like, we all have tons of friends on our our social media accounts, right? We do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're close friends. Now I want you to do something else. I want you to think about who are your three closest friends in your life. If you have a piece of paper, you want to jot down their names, do that, or just make a mental list. Who are your three closest friends? These are not the acquaintances, just people that you hang out with once in a while. These are the people who you can call at 2 a.m. no matter what. They'll show up for you. They know the depths of who you are, and they still love you. Who are those people? Can you think of three people in your life? As we did that exercise, some of you were like, man, I've got more than three. You know, I'm having a hard time narrowing it down. And that's great. And if you have those close friends, if you have a handful of those, appreciate them. Send them a text today. Thank them for being your friend. Don't take them for granted. But I know that as we did that exercise, there are some of us who are maybe a little bit sad because we don't really have close friends in our lives or we think, man, maybe I've got one or maybe I've got two, but I don't have three. And maybe for some of us, we're like, I don't have any. I don't don't know who I would write down on that list. I don't know who those people are in my life. And the reality is we all need people that we can be vulnerable with, that we trust. We need people in our lives who can be good friends to us. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel like it's hopeless, like I don't have friends and I want friends, it is possible. And I believe that God wants us to be in relationship with other people. You go all the way back to the beginning when God created Adam in the creation account, he, he had, God and Adam had a relationship together. There was no sin yet. The fall hadn't happened. Woman hadn't showed up, right? <laughs> So there was no fall. Sorry, that was a dig. Um, but there was, no, there was no sin, and it was God, and it was man, and they were, it was perfect, except for God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. 
So he created woman, created companionship. We know there's you know, gender and marriage and all that. But God does not want us to be isolated. God does not want us to go through life alone. That's why he created more humans. So as perfect as God's relationship was with man, it was incomplete without a relationship with other human beings. And I believe that God wants us all to have some close friends in our lives that help walk with us through life. See, social media hasn't really helped us a whole lot. We can think about the thousands of friends that we might have on social media, but it's not the same. Social media has given us kind of an illusion of intimacy, and it's not real. I mean, it's great to be connected and networked with people, but it's not really true friendship because people just kind of put out there whatever they want everybody else to see. And so hopefully you had three friends on your list. If not, again, let me encourage you that it is possible, and I believe that God wants you to have that today. And so my hope is that as we talk this morning, and as we look at the scripture, we begin to find what, what are the traits of true friendship? What are the biblical marks of friendship? Because the Bible does have some things to say about friendship. And I hope that you're encouraged today as we look at these together. So I know we usually do discussion later, but I want to start with two questions today before we read the text and just kind of get a sense of where we're at. The first question is this, what characteristics would you use to describe a true friend? Just throw them out. What are some characteristics that you would describe a true friend? Faithful. Faithful. Good one. What else? Whoa, whoa. Available. Somebody else? Loyal, yeah. What else? Patient. Patient. Kind. Kind. Honest. Honest. Forgiving. Forgiving. Accepting. Accepting. Listening. Listening. Man, these are great. I don't even need to preach this morning. We'll see you guys later. (laughs) But those are great characteristics of a true friend, aren't they? And the second question, what do you think causes most friendships to break down? Lack of trust, that's a pretty big one. Dishonesty. Unkind. What was that? Unkind. Unkind. Yeah, kind of the opposite of all the things we just said, right? <laughs> so we're continuing in our series today. I just wanted to get you guys thinking a little bit about relationships. We're continuing in our series in Philippians. And today's text is what some um, scholars would call the travelogue. So we're going to talk about the travelogue. Isn't that exciting? Uh, So the Apostle Paul, oftentimes when he wrote a letter, he would write a letter to a church, which we call an epistle, and he would, at the end, he would say, these are my intentions. This is where I'm going. I'm going to come visit you, or I'm going to go over there, or I'm going to come over here. And he would often give that at the very end of his letter. Well, the book of Philippians, he puts it smack in the middle, and it's a little odd. I mean, why is it here? Why is it in the middle of the letter? I think it's here because it's important that he wants to say some things about his friends. The Apostle Paul um, is in chains. We know he's in Rome. He's imprisoned there. And so he writes this letter to his friends in Philippi, and he says, I'm going to send some of my very closest friends to visit you because I can't be there in person. And so he introduces Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so we're going to look at some character traits of these guys. Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus were very close. And we're going to learn some things from their friendship. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, and you want to open to Philippians 2, we're going to read this passage today, 19 through 30. 
says this, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in the preaching of the good news. And I hope to send him to you soon, just as soon as I find out of what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ and he's at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. So the first person that Paul speaks about is Timothy. He said, hey, Timothy, he's my guy. He's my right-hand man. Timothy is special. And now the Philippians already knew of Timothy. They, they, you know, Paul said that he's proven himself. You guys know him, but receive him. There's something very special about Timothy that Paul says here. He said, there's no one else like Timothy. What's unique about Timothy? He cares about other people. He genuinely cares about their spiritual well-being. That's what's special about Timothy. See, Paul knew other people, and he said, I know those other guys, and they're really just, you know, doing what they're doing for the sake of themselves. They're living selfishly. And don't we know how to live selfishly? Anyone have to learn how to be selfish? Anyone have to get schooled in that? Absolutely not. Like, selfishness comes very natural. I love me some me. But Paul, or Paul says that Timothy isn't that way. He genuinely cares about the welfare of other people, and he cares about what's important to Jesus Christ. What's important to Jesus? Other people. And that's who Timothy was. See, Timothy um, was a friend to the church in Philippi and to Paul, and he cared about their welfare, their, their well-being, their spiritual, their soul. See, a true friend cares about the depths of who you are. A true friend cares about, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing today? You have friends in your life like that that can ask you, like, man, you seem stressed, or you seem, you know, like you're just not doing well. Are you down? Like, what's going on? And a true friend will ask you those kind of questions, but I would say, to take it even a step further, Timothy was the kind of guy who could speak the gospel, who could speak life into a person's heart. So you will never have a better friend than a friend who points you to Jesus. A good friend will listen. A good friend will hear what you have to say. Okay, yeah, you're hurting or you're you're stressed out. But a good friend will point you back to Jesus. And I want to give you an example of this. We talk a lot about gospel fluency, speaking the truths of the gospel into everyday stuff. Imagine that you're having lunch with a friend and you're sitting at the table and your friend notices, hey, you seem like really stressed out. Like what's going on? Well, you know, I'm, money's tight, my, my budget's just really blown up, and we've got these hospital bills we're paying for, and 
Christmas is right around the corner and I'm just really stressed about money right now. Well, see, a, a true friend would be able to say, well, okay, that's, let's talk about that and, and maybe help you identify what's the thing behind the thing. And the thing behind the thing is actually that in that moment, I'm not trusting God for who he says he is. He says that he's my loving father who will always provide for my needs. Do I believe that? In this moment, my stress is telling me that I don't really believe that. And so a true friend is able to point that out and say, hey, you know, uh, Scripture has all these promises and tells us that God loves us and he will always take care of our needs. That's the truth of the gospel. And by the way, you remember last year when you crashed your car during that snowstorm and you didn't know what you were going to do and God came through and he provided wheels for you? Like he's done it before, he will do it again. A true friend is able to do that. He's able to say, hey, uh, you get to live without stress. Like, why don't you just trust in God today? Let's pray together and just trust him for what he's gonna do. See, that's applying the gospel to a normal everyday situation. That's what a true friend can do for us. That's what a Timothy does. Cares for the welfare of the other person. Not just so self-absorbed, but able to actually speak life, speak the good news into, his, into another person's heart. We all need a Timothy. The other friend that um, Paul talks about is Epaphroditus. What a name, right? Epaphroditus. I wonder what they called him for short. Epap or Ditus or Edus or Pappy. I don't know. Like, what, do you, what do you call someone like that? I don't know. I think he's just got a bad name. But his name in Greek actually is derived from the Greek goddess Aphrodite. And and so um, this guy was good looking, he was handsome, charming, that's what his name means. I don't think that's why Paul was friends with him, um, but he had character traits that Paul highlights in the text. And he says, Epaphroditus is a pretty cool guy too. I like Timothy and I got this other friend, Epaphroditus. And he says three things about him and these are all important. The first one he says, uh, he is a true brother. Epaphroditus is a true brother. He's also a coworker. And he's also a fellow soldier. And we're going to look at each of, one of th- each of those three things, one at a time. The first one he says is he's a true brother. He uses familial language to describe his friend Epaphroditus. And so what's the difference between a true brother and a brother? Because many of us have brothers, we have family. But here's the thing, family is family for life, but not all family sticks with us. A true brother is one who is loyal. A true brother is loyal through thick and thin. They're with you through all of life. Some of us have blood relatives who've kind of checked out, kind of left us alone, kind of put some distance between us, but a true brother is loyal through all the ups and downs of life. As we think about characteristics of a friend, where, where do we learn? I mean, do we just decide, well, this is what's good and this is, you know, We don't get to be the ultimate authority. God's word tells us where true friendship comes from. And we see this illustrated, this idea of a true brother in none other than Jesus himself. Scripture tells us that Jesus is our brother. I don't know if you realize that, but if you look at Hebrews 2.11, it says, now Jesus and the one he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Jesus is our true brother. Hebrews 13, 5, for God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's where we learn what true, a true brother looks like is from Jesus. He'll never leave us. He'll always be loyal. He'll always be there for us. So again, when we think of friendship 
And we think of the character traits that make a good friend. They're, they're all attributes of God. Like any, it's, it's whatever is good and true comes from him. We don't get to decide, well, you know, we get to make up our own version of truth. It comes from God. And true friendship isn't based on success, isn't based on money, isn't based on good looks. It's based on the characteristics of God himself. And in this case, loyalty. Loyalty always undergirds true friendship. We all have our bad days, our bad weeks. People don't really want to be around us. Maybe we don't want to be around ourselves. But a true friend is loyal through all of that, sticks with us. Paul also refers to Epaphroditus as a co-worker, a co-worker in the gospel. Like we have discipleship going on, right? We are becoming disciples and we are making disciples. We have this partnership in the gospel, this co-working of discipleship. And we need friends who will work with us in that pursuit, in that mission of making disciples, who have the same goal. And I don't think we can be good co-workers without honesty. Somebody mentioned that earlier as one of, the, one of the attributes of a good friend. We need honesty, don't we? You can't do a whole lot if people aren't willing to be honest. See, the Bible talks about um, honesty in a way that maybe seems a little bit counterintuitive to us. Look at what Proverbs 27, 6 says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hmm, that's interesting. We would typically think that my enemy wants to hurt me and my friend wants to hug me right? That our friends are there to encourage us and to build us up. And that is true. However, if we're never willing to be honest with each other, there's no growth. And sometimes the best thing a friend can do for you is say something that stings a little bit with love, with grace, but it helps to build the friendship because it's flattery if not. And that's another thing that Proverbs talks about. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. You ever been in a flattery situation where someone's just like pouring it on and you're like, oh yeah, this is fake. It's not helpful. Maybe it makes you feel good in the moment. Like someone tells you how uh, amazingly good looking you are or something like that. And it's like, oh, thank you. But then they don't tell you like the thing that's actually hurting the friendship. Like that's, that's doing you a disservice. That's what the Bible's talking about. We need honesty if we want true friendship. If we want to be coworkers. A coworker is somebody who's trying to accomplish the same goal. They're working on the relationship with us. So we really can't be good coworkers if we're not honest. I had a job um, back in high school. I worked at Senex, and there was just a handful of us employees there. And um, we had to do a lot of stuff. Like we were, you know, fixing tires and changing oil, and then we'd go up and fill anhydrous tanks, or we'd um, deliver fertilizer and, you know, clean the bathroom. Like there was just so many tasks that we had to do. And we were coworkers. There was a, a team of us. But there was this one guy in his 30s, and he was just dead weight. Like, he didn't do anything. And we'd oftentimes find him in the back room. There was like this room with batteries in it, and he'd be just hiding back there. He'd be going back there to get something. Like, whoa, bro, what are you doing in the dark here? And he's like, oh, I'm taking inventory on the batteries. It's like, we do that in December, man. It's like May. We're not taking inventory right now. So this guy was just not a team player. Which, which meant that we all had to do more work. And being 16, 17-year-old kids, we, we try to call him out, and, you know, hey, man, like, can we work together here? We go to the boss. He did nothing. Um, but he did not feel like a coworker. And we tried to be honest with him and call him out, and he just, nope. 
He was just a guy who was there to pick up a paycheck. He was totally by himself. And when you don't have honesty in a relationship, there's no sense of working together. There's no sense of, hey, we're on the same team. So we need people, friends in our lives who are coworkers with us, who are committed to seeing ourselves grow and our relationships grow with one another. The last thing he says is a fellow soldier. We need friends who are on our team and not on our back. We need friends who will fight for us and not against us. And I think that's what Paul's talking about here. He's a fellow soldier. He will go to war with me. He will fight for me. One of the most meaningful experiences we can have as humans is when we're being accused of something or someone's coming after us, we have somebody who will stand up and somebody who will defend us. You ever been in a situation like that where somebody was just coming after your character or they were threatening you and you had somebody else step in on your behalf? Again, that's what Jesus does for us. We have the accuser of the brethren coming after us, our enemy, our spiritual enemy, and Jesus says, nope, nope, they're with me. I'm going to war for them. We need friends who are fellow soldiers. I grew up the middle of three boys, um, and we had some fights in my house. We punched each other, we called each other names, we wrestled, and any of you with siblings can probably relate to this. We fought all the time at home, but then you go to school, if anyone touches my little brother or calls him a name, like I'm going to the mat for him. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like no one beats on my brother, except me (laughs) at home. And, and that's how we can be. Like, it's that defending. And, and that's what you think of a fellow soldier, somebody who is willing to go the distance for you. No doubt the Apostle Paul felt lonely when he was in prison, but he knew he had Epaphroditus on the outside. And Epaphroditus was going to continue to do whatever it takes to help him out, to be his friend. See, a fellow soldier is someone you can trust with your life. We need friends we can trust. And I'd say this is probably one of the biggest ones. You can't trust somebody, you really don't have much of a relationship, do you? And there's nothing worse than when you think someone trusts, you, you can trust somebody and then they break that trust. And I'm seeing some head nods. I'm, I'm sure that some of you have been hurt before in a friendship and you start to wonder, is it even worth it? Are there people out there that I can trust? The answer is yes. Don't give up on friendship. Even if you've been hurt, we've all been hurt. We live in a sinful, broken world and it's gonna happen again. That doesn't mean it's better to isolate. So I wanna pause for two more questions of discussion before we wrap this up. I wanna ask this. Of the three examples, the true brother, the coworker, and the fellow soldier, so think true brother is loyalty, coworker is honesty, fellow soldier is trust. Which one of those resonates with you the most? Maybe which one do you desire the most? For me, I think I would pick the coworker, the, the honesty factor. Because if I'm not, in, like, in a spiritual sense, if I'm not living out what I'm teaching or, or what I believe in, then that honesty to call me out and again, like, not a, not a negative way, I think that's needed because otherwise you're, you're not going to realize, oh, hey, I'm not, I'm not living, I'm not living what I'm preaching. Mm. Yeah, you guys could hear that. He said, basically, if I'm not living what I believe, I need someone to call me out on that. I need honesty. I need a coworker, somebody who's willing to put in the work 
And really, you're not being honest with yourself if you don't have somebody. If, you, if we have blind spots and we need somebody to point that out, we're not being honest with ourselves. What else? The fellow soldier that got your back. Yeah, we need someone to fight the battles of life with us, don't we? Someone to be in the trenches. I've never been, I'm not in the military, never been in the military. Maybe some of you have. But there's a bond that happens in war, that you go arm to arm. And I'm seeing some nods. I know we got some veterans in here. It, it is, it's a bond, and it's somebody who's got your back no matter what. It's pretty awesome. The next question is, why would we need a friend to point us to Jesus? Shouldn't we just be able to do that on our own? Why would we need somebody else to be a spiritual friend to us? We get lost in the moment. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can get distracted, right? We can forget what we're doing. We're people. Um, in the Old Testament, we're referred a lot to as sheep. <laughs> you know, we, we're not smart. I don't know if you've ever been around sheep, but they're not smart. What else? Mm, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, he said it's, it requires humility to have to have other people in our lives because we want to be proud and self-sufficient. And it's almost like God knew at the very beginning that if I create other humans, they're going to need each other. It's like he built that in, that need to be humble and not proud. It's so good. I know as we're talking about friendship and painting this picture that it seems like an ideal. It maybe seems like this unicorn thing that doesn't exist. Like, are there really people out there like this? Are there really friends like this? And there's one, his name is Jesus. He's the perfect friend. That he will never leave us, never forsake us. He is our true brother. And he is the one that I hope you know today. I hope you have a relationship with him because without him, all of this other stuff we're talking about doesn't really matter. Jesus is the source, our true source of friendship. Our true, I hope you know him today as your savior but I hope you also know him as your closest friend because he desires that kind of relationship with us. However, like I said at the beginning, he created us to be in relationship with others. So we need that friendship with Jesus, that vertical relationship, but then we also need a horizontal relationship with others. And maybe you're sitting here today thinking, man, I've just been burned too many times. I've had people hurt me and I'm putting up the walls and I'm just, I'm giving up. And I'd say, don't give up. God doesn't want you to give up. And there are people out there that I believe he wants to connect you with that will point you to him, that will encourage your faith, and that will stick with you through thick and through thin. Maybe you could be that friend for somebody else. Maybe we're just kind of waiting for God to bring someone into our life. Maybe it's time to kind of flip that around and say, well, who's, whose friend can I be? Who can I invest my life in? I think you'd be surprised what God might do if you take a risk, you take a chance. See, many people are too afraid. They're too afraid to take the risk because they've been hurt in the past. See, this world has kind of skewed our version of friendship. You think back to that exercise we did at the beginning. 
Man, I would trade 3,000 Facebook friends for three real friends, wouldn't you? I'd trade all of it. Who cares about social media? If you have real people in your life that care about you, that know the depths of you, that you have intimacy with, by the way, intimacy is into me see. They see into me. We need real intimacy, not just tons of social media friends. And I hope that you today know those people, and if you don't, don't give up hope. Man, God wants you to have relationship with others. He wants you to have Timothys in your life who are willing to speak the truths of the gospel, to call you out. He wants you to have an Epaphroditus. I mean, I don't know if you literally find an Epaphroditus anywhere, but uh, somebody with that name, but he wants you to have somebody with those characteristics. Loyalty, honesty, right? Trustworthiness. We get to have those kinds of friends when we know Jesus. And hopefully uh, that encourages you today. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. We're all gonna fail. We're gonna mess up. We're gonna fail our friends. I'm so glad that um, Jesus doesn't give up on us when we fail, that he shows us grace. He shows us forgiveness. He never says, oh, that was three mistakes. Now we're done. We're no longer friends. No, Jesus says, I'm gonna love you no matter what. And we get to be those types of people to our friends. We get to be a reflection of Jesus to others. And I'm grateful that God calls us into relationship. And I hope that today you can find some of those people, and maybe even in this room, maybe there's some connections that will happen. We all need each other. God is not intending for us to live alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and a biblical picture of what friendship looks like. We thank you for the work that you did through Paul, the Apostle Paul and his friends Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Lord, Paul, as, as great a guy as he was and as strong a leader as he was, he was not alone. He didn't function. He didn't um, plant churches and, and do ministry by himself. He had friends. He had people he could rely on. And even while he was in chains and he was unable to be physically in places, he was able to send his friends because they were loyal, because they were honest, and they were trustworthy. And Lord, I know there are hearts that are broken here today. There are people who are hungry for relationship, people who are lonely and feel isolated. We can go to social media and we can scroll and we can spend all kinds of time and we can feel more lonely than ever. So Jesus, thank you for being our closest friend, our best friend. Thank you that any person in this room can know you, Jesus. Thank you that you have a desire for us to not be lonely, to not be isolated, to live in community with other people who know you. And we're grateful for the truth. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Timothy. A true friend cares about the inner person of their friend. A good friend can speak the truths of the gospel to you in a way that is actually good news, not a lecture. You will never have a better friend than a friend who points you to Jesus. We all need a Timothy, an authentic guy who really cares about others. He isn't in the relationship for what he can get out of it. Epaphroditus. He was a true brother, a co-worker, 
and a fellow soldier. True brother, family is family for life, but not all family sticks with us. A true brother is one that is loyal. A friend loves at all times, not just when the skies are blue and the sun shines bright. Coworker, a friend that wants to accomplish the same goal. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A genuine friend points out our blind spots to us, even when it's painful, and then helps us clear away the mists. We can't really be good co-workers if we can't be honest with each other. Fellow soldier, we all need a friend who is on our team, not on our back. Someone who will fight for you, not against you. One of the most meaningful things you can experience from another person is them coming to your defense. A fellow soldier is someone you can trust with your life. The truth is, the perfect friend exists and his name is Jesus. Maybe you can be that friend for someone else and you never know what God might do with that relationship. Most people are too afraid to take the risk. Many have given up on trying to find a true friend. Discussion questions. What characteristics would you use to describe a true friend? What do you think causes most friendships to break down? Of the three examples, true brother, which is loyalty, co-worker, which is honesty, fellow soldier, which is trust, which resonates with you the most? Why? Why would we need a friend that points us to Jesus? Shouldn't we be able to do that for ourselves? Thanks again for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.